All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Within Tolerance. This is episode 60, and we're joined with Easton from Moria Manufacturing. And let's just get right into it, Easton. So how did you get into manufacturing? Tell us, you know, was there any influence at a younger age? Did you just like to make things? And how did you get to where you're at now? Yeah, well, first off, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it's pretty cool to be on here. I remember when you, Peyton, were kind of just starting off and, and thinking about starting a podcast, and it's pretty cool to see you kind of where it's become. Uh, first off, I'd like to say you guys definitely chose the wrong guest. Um, <laughs> I'm not only a lathe guy, but I'm also a Makita fan. So, oh, okay. okay yeah. Well, we can just end it here. That's good. Yeah, I guess we're, we're just gonna have to <laughs> next week. Have we'll that. be back with Dylan and I. <laughs> T-shirts coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I guess to kind of answer your question, uh, I've definitely been kind of just into making things. Uh, I, I've, I've always been making things with my dad and, and kind of just doing things with my hands. Uh, but kind of getting into manufacturing really started probably 2014, like kind of my freshman year in high school. Um, my dad and I uh, bought a Precision Matthews PM25. And then we converted it to CNC over the course of like a year. And that was kind of my first taste into machining. And it was one of those things where you kind of start playing with it and, and you're learning feeds and speeds and everything. And you're like, wait a second, maybe I could uh, make some money doing this. And that's kind of where that got started. So I just immediately started kind of trying to think of what I could make with it. And it kind of spiraled from there. And I mean, it's been a deep, deep rabbit hole from there so that's uh that's kind of where i got started so kind of from there i went from that and, and used that for a couple of years until probably um november of 2017 uh, is when i kind of started shopping for a more industrial machine see what was that kind of out there and, and i was just looking to see if I could maybe get something I, at that point I started working at a local shop on like a school kind of program where I would take the last two hours of the day and I would get to go work uh, at a shop that's related to kind of what career path I was looking at going into. And so I had been running uh, a lot of Haas machines, uh, a Mazak, a couple other um, various brands of machines. And it was kind of at a point where I was like, well, it would be pretty cool to kind of maybe get into more of the industrial side of machines. And what I ended up kind of landing on was I found a Miano TSV 33, which would be kind of like the equivalent of like a brother uh, S300 or, or like a robo drill short bed. So that guy, I've, I've still got that. That's actually sitting to my left, probably a couple hundred feet to my left right now. Um, so I, uh, I ended up buying that machine um, in about November and I didn't have space for it. After I bought it, my parents said, no, you're, you're not putting that in our garage because uh, you're going to crack our floor. Damn. I was like, well, what if, what if I repair the cracks in the floor? <laughs> no, you can't put it in our garage. It's like, Okay. Can I build you a new garage? <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, guess I'll have to find a shop. So then I, I kind of just contacted the the dealer that I ended up buying the machine from, and I said, hey, how long can you guys kind of hold this machine for me? 
And they were like, well, I guess we can kind of keep it. Usually our customers kind of take the machine right away. But um, so it, it seemed like a, a about a year, but it was really only like a month. Um, but I was, I, I toured and probably searched for, I don't know, about 10 different shops kind of toured through um, and ended up settling on this place that was about 600 square feet. Um, and it was, if you kind of picture like a storage unit, like you go to like a U-Haul, it was kind of like that, but it was about 12 foot wide, 50 foot deep. And that's the, that's the 600 square feet. It had a hundred amps of uh, three phase. Um, when I when I toured it, when I signed the lease and everything, I said, "Is there three phase? Because I really need three phase power for this machine." They're like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah. There's definitely three phase, um, three phase, um, three phase, three phase, three phase." I was like, "Oh, cool, sweet. Um, I can look over the fact that there's no internet, there's no bathroom, there's no man door." There's just a, a bay door and, and a big open building, no running water, nothing. I was like, as long as there's three phase, this will work perfectly. <laughs> I sign the lease. I get the machine delivered. Um, hindsight, I, I did my own rigging on that one. That was pretty scary. Um, lifting that 5,000 pound machine into a, into a shop. Um, not the smartest decision I've ever made, but moved in i opened up the electrical panel and uh huh there's only uh two legs in here oh no i said to my landlord i was like you said there was a three phase in this building he goes oh did i say three phase i really just meant 240 volt oh my god (laughs) and i was like all right well so either i'm gonna avoid this lease right now or you're gonna buy me a phase converter and so they definitely didn't want me backing out of the lease, so they paid for half of the phase converter. Wow. So I ended up getting a phase converter. So that phase converter is pulling 60 amps, and I've got 100 amp service, so I was pretty much tapped out. Um, so it was a it was a 12-foot-wide, 50-foot-deep building with one machine at the very end of it. And with that's lots of three phase power. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of lasted for, for about a year. Um, it was actually like a 14 month lease. Um, but it was, it was kind of an interesting situation. Um, it was, it was like 30 minutes from, from my house. So it was a, it was a pretty big drive every day. Um, I didn't get a great use out of that shop as a result. And it was just, it, it was kind of more of a storage facility. I definitely made parts and everything, but it was kind of good to just get out of there. Um, kind of that around that time, right before IMTS of 2018, um, I got uh, kind of acquainted with, I think both of you guys know um, John over at High Tech Machining. Um, and I, I ended up first kind of getting in contact with John because my my Miano's coolant tank rusted through and I came in one day to just a pool of coolant on the floor. Jeez. Um, so I had to replace the coolant tank and you can't really buy a coolant tank for a mill that's no longer made nor supported by Miano. Um, so 
I was looking around and, and it turns out you can fit a brother coolant tank underneath the Miano. Really? Uh, yeah. So right now I've got a, I've got the 150 liter coolant tank off of a brother S 700 on my uh, machine. Hmm. Um, and so I kind of put out a plea on Instagram and I was like, Hey, anyone have a coolant tank? And that's kind of when I got in contact with John because he had put a chip conveyor on one of his machines. So he had a spare coolant tank lying around. And then after that, uh, at one point I was talking to John and, and he said, Hey, I've got this, uh, not working Miano BNC 34. And at that point I was like, wow, well, my TSV 33 is fantastic machine. I wonder how their lathes are. Um, <laughs> so I, I, a, it was a machine with a, a dead spindle drive and I, I ended up buying it from him. It shipped all the way from California in a, a box truck. Um, took me about three, three and a half hours to get it out of the box truck. So that poor uh, semi driver was sitting there waiting while I was trying to pull out this lathe. Turns out lathes are a lot lower center of gravity than mills. So picking it with a forklift is pretty sketchy. Um, and, and I picked it up. Um, it was actually a kind of a cool situation. Side note, which is that the only really big thing about that location that I had that first shop is it was a truck repair place. And so they had a bunch of forklifts that I could use at any time. And some of them were huge. Um, so I was able to do my rigging for both of my machines on that one. I was wondering how you just miraculously yeah. know, rented a forklift or something. So that makes yeah, no, it was, a, it was a, it was a great deal. I mean, it was, I, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, that was probably my third time driving a forklift ever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a, one of those like construction reach lifts. So you can, I could stick it into the truck and pick the lathe. Um, but yeah, I ended up getting it out. And what I did is I just set the lathe in the corner of the shop and never did anything with it just because I knew I was planning on moving. So that was like September. Uh, and then I didn't end up moving until January. Um, or sorry, February. Um, and what kind of happened ended up happening in that situation was so at my day job uh, at the time, I was working for, for another shop. Um, and the landlord that owns the whole building that that shop is in, I was, I got along with him and I just kind of chatting with him and, and he was asking about my current lease and he was like, you're paying $600 for 600 square feet. He's like, that's expensive. He's like, I can do better than that. I was like, <laughs> really? I was like, you can get me in a building with heat lights air condition or like uh, a bathroom and everything he's like yeah he's like we got some space in the corner you could probably just lease that um and so as soon as my lease was up at my my first shop i kind of then moved into the building i'm currently in but in kind of just a corner so i had about 400 square feet so i downsized but the uh the configuration was changed so i had like a, a more even square shop so I could fit more machines, if that makes sense. Um, it was like, instead of it being such a narrow hallway where you can only put one machine at the end, I could put like machines next to each other and facing each other. Right. Um, and you had three phase, I'm guessing. Actual yes. three phase. <laughs> yeah. I had 200 amps of uh, three phase. Um, 
I had a bathroom, I had internet, I had everything. So I was more than happy to move into a smaller space. Um, and at, that was around the time that I, I ended up getting the, the Tormach that I've got. Um, and so that was kind of my first introduction to the kind of Tormach scene. Um, and so at that point I had the Miano uh, lathe, the Miano mill, and then the uh, Tormach 770. Um, and so at that kind of point, I finally uh, bit the bullet and, and got the uh, spindle drive for the Miano sent out, um, paid about 1500 bucks to get that fixed, um, which seems seemed like a lot at the time, but that I, I really should have done that a lot sooner. Um, and got that put into the lathe and, and, and got that guy up and running. And so that was kind of my first introduction to lathe. So when you guys were talking yesterday about, uh, are you guys going to get a lathe anytime soon? You guys might think you're uh, mill guys right now, but get a lathe and, and you guys might not be uh, mill guys anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to the dark side. Quit tempting me. Yeah. So that was, uh, I got that lathe running and I was like, wait a second. I really like lathes a lot more. That wasn't really the reason I started liking lathes a lot more. It was at, uh, at a certain point in my, my day job. Um, they kind of just said to me, they were like, or I had a personal project. So I was, I was running mills, uh, at my last job. Um, and I was running mills and, and had a personal project where I made it, wanted to make these little air fittings. And they were like, yeah, um, you can come in on a weekend or whatever. And you're, you're welcome to use the machine, but, uh, you kind of just have to teach yourself and, and teach yourself how to program it and everything. I was like, all right. So I read the, uh, the Haas ST10 manual cover to cover. I uh, watched a bunch of Camworks uh, YouTube videos and uh, I came in on a weekend and I figured it out. And then that next week, my, uh, my boss said, all right, well, um, you want to move over to the lathe and, and set this job up? <laughs> so uh, then I, uh, I never went back. Um, so, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of my introduction to lathes and then getting a, a lathe myself and, and getting that up and running only strengthened it. And so uh, I started doing a lot more lathe parts and things. Um, believe it or not, I bought that lathe only to make speed handles. Um, <laughs> that's it. That I, I figured I was like, uh, I'll find something else to do with this, but I need this to make speed handles. So what on the speed it, handle is made on the lathe? Cause isn't it? Uh, so so I make the revolving handle. Oh, um, okay. I gotcha. Yeah. So I, I made a couple of those and that was cool. And, and I made it and I started finding other lathe parts and, and things to make. And, um, it just kind of was going from there. Uh, wasn't using it a ton. Um, but then probably about November of 2019, um, I ended up deciding to kind of make a, a career change. And so I changed over to working for my current uh, job, which is I work as a technical support specialist at Tormach. Um, and so part of the thing when I was working for the kind of the previous company was that since they were a job shop, I was kind of non-compete with them. Um, so by changing employers, that kind of freed me up to start doing a little bit of contract work. 
Um, and so that was a kind of a big part. And so it really spiraled out of control from there. Um, and, uh, I now do kind of, I would say medium to kind of high production lathe work on a regular basis. Um, and I recently, um, kind of picked up another lathe. Um, it's a twin spindle Miano, uh, with twin turret, twin spindle. Um, but yeah, kind of stepping back a little bit from there, um, at one point, uh, the, this building was a huge machine shop for one customer, um, or not one customer, but one company. And when that company started kind of going down the drains and the original owner died, the current, um, owners of that, that company and the building, uh, stepped in and bought it. Um, so my landlord, um, the one who kind of got me the, the first space in this building said to me, Hey, there's this 15,000 square foot warehouse that we're going to be splitting into four units, each with their own bathroom, uh, plumbing, uh, kind of configurable how you want because we haven't built them yet. Um, do you want dibs on one of the units since we're going to be building it and we, we haven't built them yet? I said, uh, that sounds like a lot of space. I don't know if I'll need that amount of space and kind of stood on that for a while and ended up saying, yeah, you know what? I will take one of those units. So this unit was supposed to be done October of 2019. They didn't start construction until November of 2019. So it got um, a little bit kind of screwed up in that sense. So I was in the old shop a little bit longer than was comfortable because I started getting more equipment and, and just started kind of outgrowing that space. And finally, probably March of this year, um, I moved into this current space. And what's really nice about this space is I've got 200 amps of like very clean three phase because it's brand new circuit that got brought in from the city. Um, they even put in a transformer down the street for these shops. Um, there's I've got my own bathroom. I've got AC in the shop and in the office separate. So they're separate climate control. Um, and when I say office, that's because I'm kind of sitting in it and I use it as an office, but it's more of like office slash inspection room because it's where I've got my Brown and Sharp CMM. I've got um, my surface plate and all my inspection equipment as well. Um, and then, yeah, it's about 2,400 square feet. And it's, it's again, like a very narrow hallway but it's wide enough that it doesn't feel like a narrow hallway um, because it's about 25 feet wide and about a hundred feet deep. Um, So it's one of the best decisions I've ever made was moving into this shop. Um, It was really a huge step in the right direction. Um, So recently, Oh, sorry to cut you off. Keep going. Oh no, no, no. Go ahead. I was just going to say, so this is all very recent that this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. So this has really started taking off since probably November of last year is when it's it kind of gone into warp speed. Um, <laughs> it's it, it's uncomfortable for sure. And I'm, I'm sure you guys know the feeling, um, but it's pretty fun, too. It's like I, I really get to do exactly what I want to do every day. It's it's really a fun it's a fun job. And it's definitely what I want to do for the rest of my life. So that was kind of my question is, so day to day, so what do you do? You, you still work at Tormach, you know, do you, 
do mainly job shop work. I know you have some products. Talk a little bit about all that. How does that kind of work in your like daily or weekly routine? Yeah, so I, I do have a, a normal day job. So I work uh, eight to five uh, at Tormach. Uh, I love my job there. It's, it's a fantastic group of people. Uh, I know some of them are actually listening to this. So um, all, of, all of those guys are fantastic and, and it's a really great group of people. Um, and uh, it's a super fun job. And then I, I, I come home to my shop or, or not home, I, I drive to my shop and I, I spend the night here working on uh, a combination of, of job shop work and, and products. Um, I, I think I saw a question in there. Somebody's wondering about the, the BT30 tool tightening fixtures. Those are coming. Uh, it's been hectic with uh, a lot of lathe job shop work lately. Um, but some, uh, some big things are happening in the next month or so that are going to allow me to kind of expand on that and, and get some of those products more. Um, so yeah, so I, I do, I, I definitely do my own products with the, the Rena shield. I do in-house powder coating. Um, and I do, uh, I sub out the, uh, the actual cutting and bending of those cause I don't have uh, 1.2 million for a, a laser. Um, and I don't have, uh, I don't have like half a million for a, a good press break. So, oh come um, on, that's like that's like one lathe job right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it depends on the lathe job, but so it's 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 a it's a cool mix. It's like the job shop work is um, one of the ways I like to think about it is it's I, it's it's maybe not what I want to do the whole time. I don't know if I want to do job shop work for the rest of my life, kind of thing. But it's really a cool skill builder. It's like you, you constantly get thrown a, a job that you have no idea what you're going to do on it and you get to figure it out and you get to talk to tooling vendors and, uh, and get the tooling that you need and learn new things and new materials and everything. I mean, it's, I've, I've built a pretty good relationship with Iskar and, uh, I'm a, I'm a big Iskar fanboy. Um, <laughs> Iskar makes some really, really good turning tools and, and, it's, it's a lot of fun doing job shop work. Um, there's also always that added stress that you didn't design it. So what if you can't make what they, what they want, but I, I have some really good customers who, who really let me kind of help them and, and work with them on, on things. If I say, mm, this doesn't really make sense. Can I change this a little bit? And they say, yeah, that totally fine. As long as you make the part or, uh, <laughs> And so I've got, I've got some really fantastic customers. So it's really a, a positive experience there. Yeah. So I, I definitely agree. Job shop work is like, you know, warp speed learning. Um, I, I work with a bunch of guys who are like from a production background and they're constantly like, Oh, I don't know how to like do this or we got to think on this. And it's like, I've already got 30 different ideas on how I'm going to tackle this problem. Let's just yeah, start just working through them. Like, it's just, it's such a learning experience because you, you quote out these parts that you're, you're not a hundred percent sure you can make, and then you make it work anyways. Um, yeah. Yeah, especially exactly. when I've got a, I've got a two axis lathe and I've made some parts on that two axis lathe that I'm still to this day, not sure how I made them on a two axis lathe. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, it's a constant learning experience. It, it does help that I have a Miano lathe that is, I turn it on every morning and it's in the same spot as it was the last night. There's no thermal growth. There's no thermal change. It's kind of like cheating. 
that's what Justin was saying when he was on here too, is that he's always surprised how accurate they are. It's crazy. And it's, I've had fantastic luck with them. It's too bad that they don't make mills anymore. When Citizen bought them out, they stopped uh, all production of mills. Um, So they don't make drill and tap centers anymore. Um, But it's, it's pretty crazy. My, my Miano TSV 33, I can rigid tap at 5,000 RPM on a 1993 machine. Um, yeah, it's pretty insane. So it's, it's a great machine. Um, it's got some servo tuning problems that are a big nightmare. It was the, the episode with uh, Jake Yates where he's talking about his um, Mori is that was painfully relatable um, <laughs> when he's talking about all the just don't ever turn it off because you don't know what will happen when you turn it back on. And it's especially when I, I don't even have the manuals for that machine and I've never been able to get them. Oh, jeez, um, That makes so, it worse. Yeah. It's a, it's a scary experience. Um, but yeah, so a couple, a, a couple months ago, back in about June, um, a, a sale came up locally for another Miano. So um, it's, it's a lot bigger than my, my, my first Miano. It's double the weight. Um, double the spindles, double the turrets. Oh, it's a big machine. <laughs> and uh, that it was expensive to move. It was expensive to hook up to electrical. Um, but I, I'm excited to kind of get to dive into that. I haven't really gotten to use it yet. Um, but it's it's going to be really fun to have another Miano lathe um, in the shop. Well, with all the work you've been doing lately, it sounds like you really needed another lathe spindle. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really uh, it it helps out to have more lathe spindles, and it's some of these parts that I'm doing are or could be done as two op parts and um or, or a single op and a sub spindle lathe. So that'll be really kind of cool. Uh, and it has live tooling too, right? It it technically does. Um, I don't know if I'll ever be able to use the live tooling. Um, live tooling requires mounting this like spider looking thing to the front of the turret. Um, and then your live tool holders mount into that. And that spider looking thing doesn't really come up on eBay very often. I don't have one. Um, and then the live tooling holders are also pretty hard to get a hold of. So I don't know if I'll ever be able to use it, but it, it would be pretty cool if I do get a hold of that kind of thing. They've gotten lucky lately with some eBay finds, so... Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, there's there's always a chance, and I, I I love the feature on eBay where you can save a search. So I've got a search saved for that and, and everything. So, um, yeah, hopefully I'll hopefully I'll get lucky and, and get some live tooling going on that guy. It's not it doesn't have a Y axis, but I'll still be able to do things like cross drilling or flat milling kind of thing. Awesome. Yeah, and then the, that kind of brings us to August of uh, 2020, which uh, as of uh, yesterday, I put the uh, signed all the paperwork in for uh, the a brother Speedio S700. Um, so that should be arriving in the next couple of weeks. Um, so that's going to be really cool. Congrats, dude! I'm super yeah, pumped. Seriously. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, no, that's been in the works for for really long time, and and it finally came up where, kind of with everything going on with uh, IMTS and everything, a, a sale kind of popped up that was a little bit too hard to pass up. 
yeah when i with your you know issues with your miano it sounds like you needed another industrial mill to kind of get through your own products and stuff like that so yeah exactly so currently the majority of the milling that i do is on my tormach and and while that's a fantastic machine and i've never really understood why people have issues with cycle time or anything like that on the tormach i was running some parts the other day where i had a 30 second cycle time on a tormach um, with with milling with a 116th end mill so i've never really understood that kind of argument of it and and that's not even coming from me being an employee at Tormach, it's it's truly it's if you know what you're doing with those machines you can really push them pretty hard um but the the kind of major issue for me is i i never bought it with a a tool changer so i i hand load all tools in that machine so if a if a part requires more than like two or three tools it gets tough and so um it's time to get either a tool changer on that machine or, or maybe step up to another machine uh, or fix the Miano. And kind of with those three options, kind of my considerations were, well, the problem, the other problem that I ever once in a while run into on that 770 is I run out of Y travel. Um, it, it's, I, I don't usually run out of X travel, but Y travel is really where I, I start getting into kind of a bind. And so I, I was kind of thinking about going down that route or, or repairing the uh, the Miano. But again, the Miano's got a little bit less X travel than even the Tormach does. And so it just kind of made sense to go that way. So I, I definitely considered the the RoboDrill, the RoboDrill Eco. Um, I, I'm a big fan of control guy. Um, I have used a number of different controls and, and a lot of people knock on fan controls, but for some reason they just make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> um, so it, it might have something to do with the fact that the only, uh, that my Miano TSV 33, when that showed up, I spent about a month poking through all the menus, trying to figure out even how to f- load a program into that machine. Um, so I, I'm completely self-taught on Fanatic controls. Um, I've since, uh, kind of run some Doosan machines and, and some, uh, some Akuma machines and everything at school. And it, it was, it, it's still by far my favorite control. Um, so it was a little bit of a sad thing getting the Speedio, but I think overall the Speedio is a little bit better of a machine. And it was kind of the conversation that you guys had with Greg was kind of one of the, the final straws in, in making that decision. So, yeah. But I think the, the point of that discussion too was like, you really can't go wrong. Like, obviously I'm biased. I love my Speedio. I think he made an excellent choice, but like, between a robo drill, a, a new robo drill, and a new brother, like they're both fantastic machines, and you're not going to be upset either way. No, and I mean, uh, you got uh, Elton Instruments on Instagram. He's got that, I think, a robo drill eco, and he just he kicks ass with that machine, and that's yeah, he really makes cool. killer parts on that thing. Yeah, so and, I, that's that's so awesome though. I'm I'm really looking forward to you getting that and uh, starting to play around with that. Yeah, it'll be a it'll be an interesting race uh, with Peyton to see who gets probing first. Um, you didn't get probing. Nope, I got a I got a really bare bones Let's machine. Let's go. No probe, gang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dylan, really, whip it out. I can't wait. I cannot wait for two months from now to be able to ask Easton. So, what's the best thing you're shopping? Why is it a probe? <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those things where it was like. 
I was just kind of trying to get in the door with the Speedio. So I got it fairly bare bones. I just ended up getting the, uh, I got the 16,000 RPM spindle. Uh, I got the 21 tools um, plumbed in for three spindle coolant, but that's come standard with all uh, all the 16K machines. So I, the, really the only option that's on my PO is the uh, MPG. And I have to say that was one of the most painful options to uh, select. There shouldn't yeah. you shouldn't have to spend nine hundred dollars for uh uh the ability to jog your machine. They should just include it in the price. I've been saying that for a long time. It's it's ridiculous. Like don't don't make me look at it. I don't care if it's in the price. Yeah, exactly. And it's so that's really the only option I got. Uh, I figured any option that I kind of want in the future, I can always get later. Um, the ones you really can't get, or you can't get a bigger tool changer that I know of. You can't get um, a faster spindle that I know of, um, but you can get big plus later. You can get probing later. Um, you can get a fourth axis later. So I just really kind of got the the bare bones machine and, and we'll see kind of how, how it treats me. Um, yeah. Way to do it. Well, and, and you skipped out on the ones that you can do yourself too. Like the coolant wash down gun, you can do yourself for a lot cheaper. I just finished that. Uh, the lights we had planned on doing that because it's, I, I mean, you can do lights for like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not going to admit anything if my uh, brother service tech is listening, but that's definitely the way to go. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't think that it would even void your warranty. Like to do lights, you hook up to the part on the board that says lights. Like that it's that easy and you just, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think, uh, I think I saw that Austin had figured out the, the spindle override switch and and some other things like that, which is, I think it's pretty cool how big of a community there is on Instagram. That's another really big positive towards those BDO. Totally. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of guys in in small shops with them. So yeah, they're the perfect machine to kind of fit in your garage too. Yeah. It's a small machine. Oh yeah. And you can have a tool that's longer than seven inches. (laughs) <laughs> do you oh, really man. want to start this <laughs> that's some subtle shade right there wow or not even okay, Peyton, as no the sorry. host of this podcast i will remain silent <laughs> it's okay Peyton. I, I i've done it too so uh, oh, i i used God. to run a dt1 at my last job and uh I I didn't know that you couldn't because or it was uh I, I did know that you couldn't have a tool that were only in seven inches, but it was one of those situations where I'm coming off of a late night running my Miano where I can have a nine inch long drill, and then I I wake up in the morning I go to work and uh, I'm setting up the DT and I, I just throw a drill in a drill chuck, and uh, pop. <laughs> there goes one of the tool pockets. Oh man. Well, glad I'm not the only one. No, I think it's a common thing. On uh, I think there were, um, at least you didn't do uh, what uh, one of my coworkers did, where he went down into a, a casting with a three point bore probing, um, but yeah. he set his C depth to uh, lower than the probe tip length, so the uh, probe body went into the bore. Oh no! Yeah, that oh. did. Uh, that probe was gone. Yeah, see, if that happened to me, I just probably wouldn't replace it. <laughs> oh, that's so. We didn't. Terrible. We used edge finders. Yeah. After that. <laughs> oh, that's rough. We had the OTS, which was it was always a weird situation where we would we would use the OTS to set the tool length, but then we use the tool to set the Z height. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty scary, but, uh, I'm sure it's, it's going to work out and, uh, it'll be really cool to have some more milling capabilities in the shop. Maybe I'll get converted back the other way. Totally. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I think you're going to love it regardless, whether you become a, a mill guy again remains to be seen, but at least you're going to have something pretty capable to knock out those, uh, BT 30 tool tool tightening fixtures. Exactly. So that's what I meant at the, the beginning of the episode S- stuff is coming to, to get those, uh, get those out faster and, and everything like that. So, yeah. so buddy um, at high speed, that's, that's your answer. He, he's got a new machine coming just so you can get your BT 30 tool tightening fixture. So <laughs> as many as yeah, you I mean, want. That's uh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, feel free to buy me a completely out. So, <laughs> um, so I kind of wanted to step back and get the story on your old name and then where your new name for it comes from. Cause right now you're yeah, manufacturing so, and you used to be East Tex, right? Yes. Um, that was a nightmare and a half. Um, one of the most expensive. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, one of the most expensive parts of my business in total. I've bought machines for less than that cost me to do. Um, That was uh, anyone out there thinking of starting a company, be sure that no one else is going to, if, if Bob and Sally's flower shop exists, don't be worried about those guys, but be worried about maybe a larger company. So I, uh, I actually registered that company name, um, Back in 2008, um, I had that and my domain name registered. Um, so I've, I've definitely been on the uh, entrepreneurial path, I guess, for a while. I didn't realize it was that at the time. Um, and it's definitely evolved for what the company does. But that's been my company name since probably I was eight years old. Um, and I, uh, I, was, I was doing... I finally registered like a, an LLC and everything in uh, 2017 um, and uh, under the name East Tex. And at probably about no uh, January 2019, I get this email. And the first time I read the email, I was like, is this a joke? It was a, it was a very lawyerish email that said, hi, we find that you uh, are in violation of our trademark. And, uh, you have 30 days to change your name. And I was like, okay, I guess I need to find a lawyer. So I found a lawyer and, and essentially all I wanted to do was say, okay, I guess I will change my name. Even though I was actually technically by it, by I was in the legal right and everything. Um, their name was very similar to mine, but wasn't the same exact spelling. Um, an important distinction to remember is my company was East Tex, not a plural. That's a singular noun, um, kind of thing. Um, I think their company was East Tech. Um, and so I, I essentially was just needing to send them a letter that said, okay, yes, I will change my name. Um, that was an expensive email to send, um, because you have to send that in, in, they're essentially they were fishing to kind of create a lawsuit with me. So I needed to send back an email that kind of conveyed that I'm not interested in getting sued, but um, also I will change my name. Here's how much time I give you 
to, or here's how much time I will kind of take to change my name, et cetera. So that was part of the expense, but then it kind of spiraled from there where it was like, I needed to all my inventory that was laser marked with my logo on it. Couldn't sell that anymore. Um, uh, they, I kind of went through the name change, which is a a certain fee to change your kind of name and, uh, all the way kind of down through that line of various things I needed to do, needed to get a new domain name, needed to get, um, all, all sorts of those kind of factors. So I kind of slowly started going through that. I was, a I came in well within their kind of deadline of when they needed me to change over, um, and it was just one of those situations where I, I thoroughly vetted it out with my new name. Um, and and uh, it took a couple months where it was like, it just didn't even feel real that my new name, um, it was like so hard when somebody would say, hey, you're from Moria Manufacturing. I was like, who? <laughs> Dude, I've and been was, through that too. It's weird. I was like, oh, wait, yeah, that's me. Never mind. Um so that was a that was a big changeover, um, and then a couple of months later, I get an email and from from the same company. And they said, "Hey, we noticed in your website we see a picture with that logo in the background. Um, we need you to take that down." I'm like, "Are you guys serious right now? It's a picture of a product, and in the background there's my sticker." I'm like, "Oh my god!" So then I had to change photography pictures. It was. I'm so glad it's behind me. It's just, that was a huge, it was one of those few times where you're like, should I even be going down this business path? Um, But it was part of kind of what kept me going is, is it's going to sound really stupid, but the, the Instagram machine community is such a positive group of people who were so understanding at that time. And it was, everyone was totally willing to just go with the flow. And it was, it was really cool. Um, so I'm, I'm obviously completely happy with my name now and, and, uh, it's a little disappointing that I had to give up that name that I had had for so many years and had such a history with, but it, it doesn't change who my company is. So it's, it's, it it doesn't matter if my company is named Bob or, or, or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's still my company. So. Yeah, exactly. And you got through it, which is nice. That's, that's crazy though. Like, uh, I, I can't imagine that. Yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, it was a big problem and, and it's, it's behind me and, and I'm glad it's behind me. For sure. So where did Moria come from? Uh, it was actually just a suggestion from my dad. Uh, my dad, we were, we were sitting brainstorming names and, and just kind of coming up with my own. And my dad goes, what about Moria manufacturing? Or I think my dad said Moria machining. And I was like, what about Moria manufacturing? And it just kind of stuck. There's not a huge story behind it or anything like that, but it's, uh, that's about it. Well, I'm glad that the, the change went through, you know, all right. I was thinking back, like, I think the first time I ever heard about you was in a Saunders video, um, at like one of his open houses maybe, or something like that. And you would yeah. some of your product there. And like, I was like, Oh, I don't know who this kid is. And like, it's just such a weird route that it took. Cause like, um, we met in person for the first time when you were out here on Tormach business. And it's just like, it's such an interesting route to go from like, Oh yeah, you know, he's some kid in a Saunders video to like, Oh, you know, now we 
DM and stuff all, all the time. And so it's just really funny thinking back on that. Yeah, it's kind of like the the whole thing of uh, the first time Peyton and I talked, which was kind of interesting. I think neither of us realized that we were the same age. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and it was just one of those things where we were having some weird, awkward conversation. And then we both realized, wait a second, I think we're the same age. And uh, it's kind of funny, too, looking back on it in, in middle school. I, I remember, oh, there's this really cool guy. Uh, one of my friends telling me he, he makes like I go firearms and, and custom minifigures. And I think my friend had bought some of your stuff, Peyton. And it no was, way. <laughs> it was so funny. It was like, I, I finally like me. And I, I thought you were some like 40 year old dude just sitting in his basement. Oh, wow. Thanks. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, wow, that is so cool, but also so weird. <laughs> and it was such a relief to realize that you were, you were kind of the same age. And he then, gets harassed about not having a probe. What does this guy do? <laughs> Oh man. Oh, that's awesome. That is really cool. Um, I'm glad that you, you made it through and you stuck with it through all that name change BS. Yeah, for sure. Um, so another question I had for you and I asked this to a lot of our guests is what's the biggest hurdle or obstacle in your shop workflow right now? And what are you doing to overcome besides getting a new mill? Oh man. Uh, time but that's that's a little too cliche um i definitely run out of time every day uh, i know peyton keeps trying to get me to do 75 hard and dude that's not gonna happen with oh my yes current. it will it's <laughs> called 75 hard for a reason yeah i'm not gonna stay up till 3 a.m ah dude so. i've been i've been big chilling i go to bed at like one in the morning now oh, whoa <laughs> that's wild <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, it's, I've been, I've definitely not been doing 75 hard and there's, there's a lot of things that I haven't been doing in that, but I, I've been making a, a big effort since January of this year to work out every day. And I, I'm up to like working out for like two hours a day. And it's, it's really nice to just kind of clear my head, go on a run. Um, it's actually, I usually listen to your guys' podcast on my runs. Um, so I'm going to randomly uh, pause next episode and just start cheering you on. Be like, come on, one step in front of the other. Let's go. <laughs> Get that hill. Come on. Oh, I might man. stop and throw my phone in the water. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's – I'd say time is a big one. Um, and another another probably big one is um, the the – problem that i have which is that i keep buying machines that need work it's like uh it's like car guys buying a, a decrepit uh car and and fixing it up i've got a really soft spot for old machines um something i haven't posted on instagram yet but uh kind of part of my supply chain is where if i have to send something out for secondaries more than like a few times and it's a secondary that i don't mind bringing in house i will so I just picked up a, a, a hone, a sun and hone, because um, some of my customers, I, I do some, uh, I make some bushings and they, they go out for heat treat and then I have to send them to honing. So I figured I'll buy a hone and, and I'll bring it in house. Um, it's a it's a 1942 sun Jesus. and hone. And it looked like it had been through a war, which it probably had. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Does it come with an really employee? Cool. 
It does not. Uh, it, it unfortunately does not. Uh, You're probably the only person your age who will know how to run a hone. It's awesome. And I, I just finished restoring it the other day. Um, I, I should post some Instagram pictures. It's just one of those things where I totally forget to do occasionally. Yeah, you need to do that and your saw because I've only seen in pro- progress pictures. I still haven't seen the whole thing. That's another really awesome one. I've got a that a thousand pound manual bandsaw, which is kind of wild. It's a 1956 Johnson Model J. It's an absolute tank. Only took me three years to uh, restore it. Jesus. Um, <laughs> that's followed me from my first shop. Or sorry, so that saw came from this building, which is the funniest part about it, is that saw was in this building. It was owned by the the big shop that owned this building at one point, and it was just sitting in a corner. And I asked my landlord, I was like, "Can I buy that saw from you guys?" He's like, "Well, I don't really know what it's worth, but I'll I'll trade you for some time. You can you help me with some projects?" So I helped him with a couple of projects, and I I took the saw, uh, I. I rented a trailer. I brought it to my first shop, um, that, that 600 square foot one. And I was like, I'm going to restore this saw because it's in, it's rusty. It's paint chipping. It's dirty. I was like, it won't take me that long. I'll just pop it all apart. I'll, I'll wire brush it and then I'll paint it and I'll put it back together. Well, I just got it back together. Um, <laughs> and I've just got to align the blade now. Um, but it was, it, it was, a. I, I pulled it all apart. It was by kind of luck of events. I had, um, since it was the truck repair shop, they were repairing a lot of dump trucks and like, uh, snow plows and they had a gigantic sandblaster. Um, and so one day they were sandblasting a whole dump truck and I said, Hey, can I bring over the castings of my saw? They were like, sure. Uh, throw us 50 bucks and we'll sandblast your saw. So they sandblasted all the castings, which was huge help. Um, then after that move, I actually put that in my parents' basement. Uh, that saw just sat in my parents' basement in pieces um, until I got this shop where I finally had space for it. I finished painting it and I just got it kind of back together and, and wired up and everything. So it's going to be really nice to not have to buy pre-cut material now. Um, what I've not, seen of it, it looks gorgeous. I'm really looking forward to seeing like a video of it running or something. Yeah, and the the kind of wild part about it is, it, it's such a sturdy and just stout saw that that it's traded hands twice now, but the same saw is still sold by Dake. Um, so they still sell the exact same saw. So I can buy parts, I can buy blade guides, bearings, I can buy anything for this saw i just bought a coolant tank for this saw for a hundred bucks that's insane yeah and it's they just haven't changed the design it's so it's such a sturdy design um it's a pain to move because it is a thousand pounds um but it's it's got a big capacity you can do um 18 inch flat 10 inch round um so (laughs) it's a little bit bigger than I do when I've got a lathe with a inch and three eighths through bore. So I do small lathe work and that could be used for gigantic lathe work. So <laughs> that's crazy. That's I, I'm really surprised that there's 
they're still selling that saw and parts for that saw. That makes it all that much more worth, you know, keeping. Yeah. So, I mean, that the, I guess the, the biggest hurdle would be myself buying machines that take up more of my time that I already have very little of. Yeah. That, that, but you actually get them done, at least lately. You've been really on it compared to a lot of, like, you compared yourself to car guys, but if you were a car guy, you'd hold on to that uh, hone for about five more years before you started looking at it. Yeah, it's 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 starting to go down that path, and I got to stop myself. I just bought my first car uh, last week, and I've already torn it apart twice. Um, <laughs> oh, jeez. I, I put in a uh, remote um, keyless entry, the other day and best upgrade I've put in so far, uh, especially when I'm carrying material from the material supplier in my hands, I can open the trunk with a key or with a, with a button now, instead of putting down the box of stock, like a normal person. Um, <laughs> You're entered so. that fly machinist mode. I see you. <laughs> oh man. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Let's see other questions. Oh, so we've got a few questions on what I'm calling penis shield gate. Um, <laughs> Nick V Nordwick um, NYDLS, I think had one. Oh no, he didn't. Uh, let's see. Who was it? Oh, Cobra frame builder also asked. Um, and also, yeah, they were asking, you know, what's your opinion on AVE removing the leg and R um it wasn't intentional that rena shield could be so easily altered to penis shield oh my <laughs> god oh come on so, Peyton, you gotta know about this, this no i know i'm not intentional this. he sent this to me easton sent this to me and i was like oh god <laughs> yeah so uh it's not intentional um totally fine with it it's pretty funny uh i would be the world's biggest prude if i didn't find that funny <laughs> so i no, thought it hilarious. That's hilarious and it's and, awesome that ave has one and did that um, yeah so that story is even more interesting so um i i didn't even know he ordered one i had no idea um and suddenly somebody messaged me on instagram and they said hey did you see the patreon video from ave where he's got one of your rena shields that's super cool um, that you sold him one. And I was like, I sold him one. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty cool. Um, and, uh, so then I went back through my orders because I'm a little bit of a stalker and, uh, I had to know. So I'm pretty sure he used a fake name. Um, cause it doesn't look like a real name at all. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, but that was, uh, it's pretty wild. And, uh, it's, it's pretty cool that he's been continuing to kind of show it in his videos, even though he doesn't have to. It's kind of free advertising for me. So I've always appreciated that. And then it's it's kind of funny that he he was he didn't even think of the, the penis shield thing. It was just somebody in the comments on, on the first video that he posted with it said, hey, I bet you could turn that into penis shield. And in the very next video, he made it like a whole big deal out of like pulling out a red pen and doing it. And it was hilarious so you should check the google ads or like the analytics to see if people are googling that <laughs> yeah 
I don't know if people are Googling that, but I can actually track through uh, through my website that how much traffic are coming from his videos, and it's it's pretty cool. That's cool. Um, so it, it is, uh, to answer kind of your question, no, it was not intentional, but uh, it is now. So, <laughs> uh, cool. and, and the kind of the funny part is in the original – uh, I don't know how many Renish shields. It's got to be a couple hundred of them. Um, are all painted? The the logo is painted onto them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a huge time consuming process. So they get powder coated. They'd have to get masked off and then painted again. Um, so it was a huge problem in the kind of assembly of those. Um, and I then finally ended up getting a vinyl cutter. And so I now vinyl cut out uh, kind of the same vinyl you see on like trucks and, and uh, it's like the same vinyl you'd find on a fire truck. So it's like super high weather resistant vinyl. Uh, it's got this ridiculously strong adhesive. The adhesive will rip off the powder coat sometimes if I like misplace the uh, sticker. Um, so it's even easier now cause you can just take an exacto knife and cut the little bottom part off the R and peel it off. <laughs> oh my gosh. So that so, sounds intentional. <laughs> it comes with the sticker peel here. Yeah. It's pre-cut <laughs> <laughs> option plus $1. So about the, uh, Renishield, did this come from necessity? Did you destroy a OTS and you were like, this is a good idea? Or did this just come to you like you saw them around the shop and you're like, that's an expensive thing to damage? Be honest. So it's, I, I actually haven't destroyed a, a, a OTS um, at all. I've, I've never broken a stylus or anything. So it was actually at my last job. I was running a production job in, um, it was DC 53. So it's like D2, but worse. Um, Oh geez, it's this awful material. It's really hard on tools, um, and you can only harden it by quenching it in molten salt. Jeez, um, oh, whoa, yeah, <laughs> it's this crazy material. But we were making um, some AR-15 parts out of it, but it was just beating. We we didn't have um, any adaptive tool pads at my last job um, in Camworks. So it was all just like conventional straight lines and things. Um, so just like infusion, remove the adaptive function. And that was what we were kind of dealing with. Um, it worked fine for most parts, but on these DC 53 ones, we were doing um, this Goering five eighths inch end mill to rough out this material. Cause we could only buy the material in like half inch by one inch um, bar or something. And the final part was like an eighth of an inch uh, wide. So there was a lot of material removal. Yeah, geez. We were burning through end mills. And so I'd constantly have to set up an end mill and touch it off on the OTS. But what we had in the shop, and at the time I had no idea that this wasn't a product that Haas sold, um, but that shipping cover that you get, the little Z-shaped shipping cover, Mm -hmm. um, my boss had just left those on. And so you'd have to, you'd unbolt it and pull it out of the way when you'd need to touch off a tool. And I'm, I'm the whole day, I'm just 10 hours doing this. And I'm like, this sucks. I was like, I bet you could make something that like flips out of the way, like a better product. Um, so that night I went home and I, I played with the sheet metal function in uh, Fusion. 
and I, I mocked up uh, the rain shield. I sent it to a local water jet company and, and I got one cut and bent um, and I, I spray painted it and I brought it to work uh, that couple days later. I put it in the machine and I was like, this is way better. I like this. And then the, and, and my, the owner of the company um, walks by and he goes, oh, wow, that's a really innovative solution. Um, that's way better than the shipping cover. I'm like, the what? <laughs> and he's like, the shipping cover. I was like, oh. He's like, yeah, nobody had made. Uh, I was like, I thought that was like a, a protective cover somebody made. He goes, no, we just use the shipping cover in case uh, anything gets thrown. And so that's kind of, that's the birth of the Renishield. Um, so that's, it's kind of evolved from there. I mean, that Renishield's paint job lasted about 25 minutes. Um, <laughs> Cause the coolant just ate the paint off of it. Um, and that's when I was like, well, I guess I'll try powder coating. Um, so I got a Harbor freight powder coating gun and Eastwood, um, powder, uh, powder coating powder. And I did the first like 25 with that. And then I was like, I ran out of powder coat one day. And so I, I like frantically called this powder coating shop local to me. And they were like, yeah, if you just want to buy a, a pound of powder from us, that's totally fine. I was like, cool, uh, I'll drop by. And I, I just picked up like a pound of powder from them and I sprayed it and I'm like, whoa, this powder is way better. So then I stepped up the powder, but it wasn't until probably March of this year that I upgraded powder coating gun and booth. Um, I powder coated the first just I, I don't even have a number off the top of my head, just hundreds of Renner shields, all with a Harbor Freight powder coating gun and a booth that's made out of plywood and a kitchen hood from when my parents remodeled their kitchen. Um, and that worked beautifully. But that sucked compared to I've got a, a real powder coating gun and, and a real powder coating booth now. And it just makes such a difference. It's so it's not a difference in product quality necessarily, as much as it's just I can do a batch of twenty Renish shields in about an hour. Um, wow! Just including baking time and everything, it's just so easy. Um, so it's yeah, Renish shields are. It's definitely one of my best selling products, and I, I actually just. Um, Back in uh, July, I finally got a trademark for Renishield. Um, and and oh, congrats. that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's uh, it's definitely one of those products where I didn't know that I wasn't uh, just reinventing something, but I, I totally came up with something that that didn't exist. And I mean, there's there's other solutions like um, some of the Fifth Axis. I think Fifth Axis is a rock lock version. Um, where you can just pull your probe in and out of the machine, um, which is which is awesome for some people, but it, it's nice to just be able to leave your probe kind of in there and and just use the the Renner shield. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, okay, it's uh, a, a neat. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say it's a neat it's a neat product. Like it, it, I like that you can still access it too, and still do you know tool break detection and stuff like that. Yeah, that actually came um, kind of shortly after launch was 
I had a first couple customers and they were like, this thing is great, but uh, we don't use it too frequently because we can't use tool breakage detection. And I was like, what's tool breakage detection? <laughs> using it at my shop. And they were like, well, it's like you come in mid cycle and you touch off the tool. And I'm like, oh, so I guess there needs to be a hole in the top. So, and that's kind of evolved and, and the, the holes changed a little bit throughout the versions of the Rana Shield. I think the Rana Shield's on somewhere around like version five now. Um, just minor little changes that you might not be able to notice if you didn't have all of them side by side. Um, but there's actually a, a new Rena Shield coming out soon. And I mean, I haven't talked about this anywhere else, but um, it's going to oh, be for. Exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's not it's not anything too special, and, and I mean, uh, uh, so it's it's a Rena Shield that can be mounted on a, a riser. So we've got a lot of people, like especially if you have like a UMC seven fifty, um, where your probe is on that little like arm, um, you can't put a Rena Shield on there because the Rena Shield mounts behind the OTS um, in your T slot. So um, I finally kind of came up with a solution that I was happy with. So it's a it's going to be a different Rana Shield that's very close to the the original Rana Shield, but it's got a different base bracket, um, and it'll mount underneath the Rana probe. Um, so the probe pins the Rana Shield down, and that allows you to have a Rana Shield on a probe riser. So um, that, that'll be coming out soon. Um, I've got to get a couple of the beta testers just to finish up testing it out. And then, uh, that'll go up on the website as well. Awesome. Then we had, this is a, so you are 20 right now, right? Yes. I'm okay. a, I'll be 21 in December. Okay. So we're pretty close in age, like you said. So NYDLSS, what are you going to do on your 21st birthday? Uh, I'll probably be in the shop. Um, <laughs> literally me, <laughs> uh, I, uh, most of my friends, uh, I mean, it, it might be a little bit different this year because of COVID, but most of my friends live in other States at this point. Um, some, one of my friends goes to school in California. One of them goes to school in Iowa. Um, one of them goes to school a couple hours away from me. It's, it's, a it's a, it's a ball game. So I'm probably not going to do anything with them. I don't really drink. Um, so I'm not going to go drinking. Um, that doesn't interest me. Um, so I'll probably just be in the shop or, or just go, go out to dinner or do something, but nothing, nothing too major. That's, it's not a, it's not a milestone for me. Uh, birthdays are never really anything that stands out to me any different from any other day, but I might be just kind of weird in that situation. No, I'm the same way, dude. Yeah, but you're weird too, Peyton, though, so. I mean, okay. I mean, I mean, you guys do have a machining podcast, and you guys did have a way Yeah, what coming. dummy thought of that idea? Yeah. yeah. All I have to say, though, as well, is at the very beginning of this, I believe you you said, hey, would you have an interest in doing a podcast with me? And I said, yeah, I don't you, know. I, yeah, I, I reached I out it. to so many people, and then I out said, of nowhere – I'm like, Dylan's a cool guy. What about Dylan? And he's like, oh, I like that idea. And everyone else like was like, no, this won't be anything. And I'm like, oh, my God. I, I, I wasn't saying it wasn't going to be anything. I said, I don't know about that one. I'm 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 an awkward guy. I don't want to. So, I think it's fair to say that Dylan and you I. For Dylan. <laughs> I think it's hats fair to say. Hats off to you, Dylan, for taking one for the team and, and 
You heard it here first. I was his last choice. So. <laughs> I mean, we can kick you off if you want. <laughs> oh, man. No, but yeah, it was that's funny because it's very true. You were like, I, I was like trying to find someone like that was going to be passionate about it. I remember this conversation too. And you're like, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> Had to let you down easy. I'm I'm from the Midwest. You got to do things a little bit, guess. a little bit passive. Yeah, at least. Yeah, you're Canada adjacent, so you just gotta apologize. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh man. Um. So another question from NYDLS. Um. Maybe he's talked to you about this, but do you do engineering school like your mom wanted, or make it ha- right, make it happen right now, job shop? And I mean, we clearly know your choice. How do your so, parents feel about your, your chosen path? So uh, kind of a quick backstory. If, if you guys are going to hear the rest of these kind of questions from, from him and you're curious as to maybe why these are such specific questions, um, he's one of the first Insta machinists I actually ever met um, before I was even on Instagram. I went to the uh, Saunders Machine Works open house um, for about eight or nine months. I actually worked for Saunders Machine Works. Um, doing some some secret projects and, and things like that. Um, and uh, that ended up just kind of phasing out in a, in a mutual way. So, um, but uh, at the uh, 2018 or, or 2017 open house, um, I was there for, for partially for the open house as well as um, just kind of, I had to bring some projects by that I'd been working on and things like that. Um, and my mom came with me. Uh, my mom did other things while I nerded out at the open house. And obviously at that point, I, I barely had my license, let alone I just got a car. So my mom came to pick me up and, and I'd been talking with uh, with him. And, and so then my mom kind of joined in on the conversation briefly. So, um, no, I, I did not go to engineering school. I did go for a, a one-year machining um, like a certification at a local college after high school. Um, not the the biggest waste of time of all time, but I didn't really get anything out of it. We were using, um, the first year is supposed to be all manual, which I totally understand. And then the second year is CNC. Um, but the first year we were using, um, for the second half of the first year, we were using some brand new 2019 VF2 um, machines. They had three spindle coolant. We had the 10K spindle. We had um, we had the 40 tool option. And we were running high-speed steel end mills and conversational. Um, <laughs> Dang. So that gave me a little taste of what the second year was going to be where you only get to use the Akumas for the second half or the last three weeks. And you don't get to use the sub spindle ever because they don't trust any of the students to do a transfer. Um, so I, I kind of dipped out after the first year. It, it was also an interesting situation where I had been working in a shop and owning my own shop for the probably two and a half years before I started that. Um, so it wasn't really worth it to me to go for the second year. Um, but I did end up going to school for a one year machine degree it was a lot of fun because I got to do a lot of the shop projects that I needed to do around here where I was like, oh, I got to make a bracket to hold this filter. I'll just do it on the bridge board at school. Um, 
kind of thing. So it was a lot of fun. I met some cool people. Um, but yeah, I didn't go to the engineering route. Um, my parents are extremely supportive of what I do. Um, they allow me to practically use them as a hotel, um, <laughs> with how frequently I'm, I'm there compared to how frequently I'm here, uh, at the shop. And it's, it's really, it's really cool having supportive parents and, and I, I wouldn't be where I am without, uh, my dad, uh, who's my dad's a biochemistry professor, which is part of the wild thing. My dad's a biochemistry professor who started going to engineering school and then took a biochem class and said, well, that sounds fun. Um, so <laughs> my dad is extremely mechanically inclined. He is extremely electrically inclined. I, I feel comfortable with pretty much any commercial electrical, residential electrical, electrical inside of machines, et cetera. I, I'm totally comfortable with all of that as a result of um, learning from my dad. And it's, it's really cool having supportive parents and, and parents who really allowed me to kind of learn the way I do. I'm really not a traditional learner. And I, I have a feeling that you guys aren't either. I know Peyton, you went to, you, you went to like a special school for the second half of high school. Um, oh right. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. I meant like, a, like you went to like a I machine legit program, right? I could not tell what you're trying to say there. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not trying to get kicked off of the podcast right now. I think I'm going to uh, flip that. <laughs> uh, um, but no, I meant uh, like in the sense of just like, um, I think a, a lot of people that are in this industry are, are maybe more hands-on learners than they are sitting in a classroom learning. And I think that was, or that was definitely me. And I, I couldn't, I, I always wanted to be an engineer until I found out that engineers sit in front of a computer all day. That, and the then I thought way. to myself, nope, I want to do something other than engineering. Well, I also do want to design my own things. I was like, well, so what is the option? And there's really only one option, which is own your own business where you can do the engineering and the making of the product. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think I could have stomached uh, four years of engineering school. I could barely stomach four years of high school. Um, so. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Let's backtrack a little bit. Let me just clear the air for myself here. <laughs> <laughs> I dropped out of high school halfway through and I went straight to tech school and did two years in machining and got my two-year degree in machine technology that's and then I also got my high school diploma at the same time because that's just how yeah. Washington no is. sorry that's, that's exactly what I meant I, I knew it was like a program similar to what I had which I ended up actually backing out of um so the, that whole story where I was saying I was taking the two hours a day to go work at my day job um, I kind of remember I, you like, talking to me at this point. You were like still in school, but like you were like wanting out. Yeah. So it was, it was an interesting situation where I was supposed to do this youth apprenticeship and I was, I would go to a machine shop and I'd say, Hey, are you guys interested in taking me on as a youth apprentice? And they would always say, uh, no, we don't have any openings. Um, and that happened at like five local shops. And there are about six local shops. <laughs> so the last shop, I tried something different. I said, hi, are you guys looking for, um, looking to hire? 
And they said, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wow. So I didn't really do the youth apprenticeship. I got the two hours a day off, but I didn't do like the traditional youth apprenticeship program. Uh, I just got to go to work kind of thing. Um, nice. So yeah, I was unpaid for, I don't know, six or eight months before I got paid for what I was doing. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd necessarily call it getting paid at what I was getting paid, but I was definitely getting paid. <laughs> so. Oh, man. So you both went to special school and are now. All right, old business. man. Hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. I seem yeah. to recall that you and Brad both went to special school as well. Yeah, but that's not what we're talking about here. <laughs> I went to all of high school and then I went to special school. Okay. Boring. <laughs> uh, so another question we have uh, from. Daryl, and I think this—I think this is him. I'm—I'm I'm really hoping that I'm not misrepresenting somebody else. And it was one that he wanted us to ask all of our guests, and that was shop superstitions. So, like the example he gave is like, oh, the second you throw out a fixture is the second you're going to get an order for that part. That was definitely true. Um, then the other shop superstition was I was not going to talk about the speedio unless the paperwork was signed uh, yesterday. So, um, cause I was convinced that the speedio wasn't going to get delivered or it was going to get like ejected from the truck and, and smashed if I had talked about it before the paperwork was signed. Ejected. So <laughs> or they're yeah, going to be like, I, Oh, actually we forgot, we forgot 20 grand in the price. Oh, we we, we sent yeah, you a robo be, drill. I hope you're happy. We, I would have been okay with that. Um, <laughs> or I was just trying to prevent, uh, what happened to Jeff happening to my brother um so oh where it was like some random guy with an rv yeah your tr- yeah yeah that would be terrible so, um I, I actually put in the, the po i said must be on an air ride semi flatbed semi there you go I was like i'm not taking any chances on this one um, <laughs> but i don't know what, what other shop superstitions um let's see uh not necessarily a shop superstition, but eh, that's enough coolant in the t- coolant tank. That's definitely not enough coolant in the coolant tank. Yeah, or if you only buy one tool, it's always going to be always going to break. And if you buy two, you're not going to break one. Exactly. That's no, so it was, that one's true, hundred percent. That was that's so true. I was like, um, the other day, I ran these stainless steel parts, and I bought these little tiny end mills because I did slot stainless. And I was like, ooh. I'm just going to buy two end mills for the first article and then I'll buy more if I need them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I broke the first end mill on the first part. <laughs> and then I was like, oh man, I got better to be able to get this first article done with this last end mill. So I got the first article done, sent it out. Um, then I ran the rest of the huge production run. And then I started doing the op where I needed to mill the slot. I didn't break that second tool ever again <laughs> and i bought three more of the end mill just in case <laughs> so yep now i've got now i've got three more of that end mill plus the one that didn't break throughout all those parts oh yeah it happens all the time when i bought i bought two three eighths roughers when i did those uh that 304 exhaust manifold and i was like oh man i gotta have an extra because i know i'm gonna burn one up like doing my test part well both of them are still 
running. I've run that one through three other stainless jobs, totally fine. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, of course it would just last forever because I, you know, because I bought two. Is it just me or um, when you break that first one and you open that second one up, you kind of look at it different and you kind of hold your hands out like you're about to give <laughs> like God, like your lifelong diary or something. And you're like, Please. exactly. You're like, all right, I'm gonna put this in a two holder real slow. That's when you like pat your machine on the head and you say, be a good machine today. Yeah. yeah. You clean its windows twice. <laughs> you wax it. Um, Oh, that's one. What about, I know I'm kind of weird. Like, I'm like, maybe if I clean my machine, like everything will be good today. Oh, for sure. No, I waxed my machines. Oh, okay. <laughs> I literally, I take a buffer and car wax and, and I try and justify it by saying, oh, it's because it prevents the oil from like building up on it. It makes it really easy to wipe them down, but it's also just for looks and it makes me feel better that I'm maintaining my machines. Oh my yeah. God. That sounds more accurate. <laughs> um, New Speedio no, shows another... up. Get out the wax. Yep. Exactly. No, the service techs are going to look at me super weird. But um, that's you know what that's you need to do is you need to start getting as a product. Um, like, you know how you can get clear bras for cars cut so that you don't get any chip damage. You should start getting clear bras cut for machines. So exactly. Put them on just... a fresh machine and it stays. For sure. Clean. Yep. That's a great idea. Coming soon. <laughs> um, along with all of the other products that are coming soon. Right. <laughs> with all of that extra time you have now, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, and then uh, another shop superstition. Uh, you always break the, the tap on the last hole on the last part if you're <laughs> hand tapping. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. You, you're like, oh, I've gotten through 40 hand tapped 440 holes. I, I'm only one more. I'll, I can do this. And the tap just shatters on that last hole. Yep. Or it just shatters backing it out of the last hole. You're like, oh, I made yeah. it. Oh, All yeah. right. Ready to go. It always shatters on the way out on the last hole. <laughs> oh, man. And then uh, the last thing he had was not not a question, just a comment. He absolutely loves his Cat 40 tool holder bracket. He says it's fantastic. So. What is that? What is this podcast? Is this called the Within Tolerance, or is this just advertise uh, Easton's Tool Tightening Fixtures podcast? <laughs> well, we've plugged yours before because we. I really love my. Yeah, I love it too. I went from the garbage one that I sure sure sure. Yours. Keep your guests happy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Then we'll have fifth axis on and be like, man, I don't know that that Renish shield, that thing's just a piece of crap. Exactly. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, so Tom the Machinist had a question. I think for all of us, really, um, is who makes the best printer and like what's the best? Prusa. <laughs> so he said, yeah, you, you're a big fan of Prusa. I've got my Ender. Peyton has now an Ender and an Ultimaker, and he says, so is it worth it to buy a high class printer and have it running directly, or get a cheaper one and make your own upgrades? So uh, I also have an Ultimaker. Um, I love my Ultimaker. I love my MakerBots. Um, uh, we've got a bunch of Form Labs printers at work. They're fantastic as well. It it really depends on what you're doing. I mean, the the Form Labs printers would be my first choice, hands down. If the resin wasn't one hundred and fifty dollars a liter. <laughs> um. Yeah, that ain't fun. Trust me. 
Exactly. And it's, I mean, I think you guys both run form labs and you guys know how expensive they are. Yeah, um, I don't have to pay for the resin though, so I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Dylan's just over there printing toilet handles and stuff. <laughs> you know, if uh, I had more time, I probably would have. Designed some crazy <laughs> organic shape. They're like, what the heck is on the toilet? Yeah, I would have spent all day doing, uh, what's it called? Generative design. Yeah, yeah generative design <laughs> handle and printed it. And they'd be like, yep, that's what Dylan spent all day today doing. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I can't solve this uh, this problem. I, I got to go design the toilet handle. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be right out to your machine. I've just got like 10 more minutes of, of solve left on this. <laughs> I got to watch it solving the whole time. Yep. No, but I mean, so I, I'm not the best person to ask on the Prusas either. I've got one actual Prusa and one non-actual Prusa. Um, what do you mean? I thought both so, of were legit. Uh, kind of. So <laughs> um, I've got a Prusa Mini, which is fantastic. It's got some weird minor issues due to Bowden that is going to happen with any Bowden printer, which is, I, I'm sure Peyton knows about with the Ultimaker, where sometimes it just gets weirdly jammed. Yep. Um, that's just a result of Bowden. Um but the Prusa Mini's accuracy is crazy. The print quality is fantastic. The assembly of the printer took me 10 minutes. Um, it was just an awesome experience. I love my Prusa Mini. Um, my Mark III is not an actual Mark III. In every photo, every I, I could probably register it for a warranty and it would go through, etc. But it's not an actual Mark III. Um, I sourced all of the parts from the vendors that Prusa gets their stuff from, um, printed all of the parts, and then assembled a Prusa based off of their instructions. Um, so that was a total nightmare. I would never do it again, but it was a way to get a Prusa Mark III for like 200 bucks. Jeez. Uh, yeah. And uh, I actually ended up, so I built a Mark III, but mine's a Mark S now. And I bought the S upgrade kit from Prusa and put it on my printer. <laughs> so it's mostly a genuine Prusa. It functions like one, but so I, I've got friends who have Mark threes. The, the Prusa just runs. It's one of the most reliable printers I've ever ran. And I think I know Tom has a Mark three um, and, and he loves it, but it, it really comes down to kind of, your comfort level with 3D printing. I mean, a Prusa is still going to be a little bit more of an open source printer um, yeah. than, than an Ultimaker or a Formlabs or whatever. But I, I'd say if you have the budget and you're considering between an Ender 3 and a Prusa, the Ender 3 is fantastic, but a Prusa is going to print better and it's going to be easier and you're going to have support. I completely agree. Yeah, I mean, I like, and I think it depends on what you want to do too. Like you said, um, like I bought my Ender because I wanted a project, I was like, I want something that I can throw 20, 30 bucks at here and there and like play around with and learn about and all that stuff. And like, yeah, I wanted a printer, but I didn't need a printer. I think if I needed an FDM printer, I would have just bought a Prusa because they are just so bullet bulletproof. Yeah. Like for example, so um, we've got a, a, on the Speedio uh, for the, I believe uh, Nick from, from Full Throttle um came up with an air gun mount for the side of the speedio mm -hmm. um and i and his model is awesome it looks awesome but it's like one of the biggest torture tests for printers of all time 
Um, it's got some serious overhangs and a big bridging area if you don't put a ton of support in there. And so I was just kind of curious to see what the Prusa Mini would do. And on his part today, when I printed it, it was doing a, a two and a half inch bridge. No problem. Jeez. That's crazy. Yeah. I'll it send you my file because I came up with one. I saw his and then was like, oh, well, I need some at work because we've got a couple brothers. And so I made my own model um, that's, I think, similar, but not exactly the, thing, the same. So I, I'll, I'll. Yeah, I'd love to see mine. it. Yeah, because if it's easier to print, I'll, I'll print one. No, I've, I'm actually holding it. It printed totally successfully. I'm, I'm holding it right now. That's um, crazy. I'd love to take a, a look at your design as well. I mean, it's yeah. part of what's cool is there's a huge community of uh, all on Instagram around people buying brothers bare bones and, and really modifying them kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's no Chinese brother, but it, that you can get them pretty bare bones. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, I think that kind of answers it. Like Peyton, do you have anything to add about your Ultimaker? I mean, you, you don't have your ender running yet, I don't think. so. No, uh, Easton mentioned the uh, Bowden problem with the ultimakers that's very true and i was actually gonna see if you're down to help me get the ender going tomorrow or something because i need that thing running but like you said i think the ender i think it's gonna be a cool little machine yeah i, I think it's hard sure. to beat for that like if you've got 200 bucks burning a hole in your pocket you can get into 3d printing with an ender and like i was printing the first night without any of the upgrades that i put on mine um but i wanted like I said, I wanted something that I could screw around with, like that I knew. I, I like having little projects that don't cost me a lot of money, but have like a lot of uh, involvement. And so like, you know, for some time printing and 10 bucks, I added a new uh, filament cooler. And like that was easy and cheap, but it involved me. Um, and that's one thing that I really like about the Enders. But like, I think if you need an FDM printer, and you don't have thousands of dollars to spend on an Ultimaker, like the Prusa is the only choice, really. Yeah, and, yeah, and I mean, two things. One, um, coming soon from Proteum, you got to make those Ender 3 build plates. Those are sweet. You oh, do okay. need to sell those. You have, you are now legally obligated after posting <laughs> on Instagram. I agree. Um, and then uh, two, if you buy a Prusa, don't be fooled. Do not buy the kit. It is worth the extra $150 to get it assembled from the factory. That is a nightmare of an assembly. I My Ultimaker is also not a genuine Ultimaker, and it is a hybrid between an Ultimaker 1 and 2. And I had an easier time designing that and building that than I did assembling the Prusa. That Prusa is... It's not hard. It's just really tedious. And there's some really frustrating nuts to put into like printed parts. Huh. Never would have thought that, but I guess that makes sense. It took me like eight hours, I think. Oh, geez. Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy. And I guess one other thing, Form 2, I know Dylan's got access to them, but I've got one. Great printer, very niche printer, and it's very expensive and there's a lot of consumables. <laughs> Yeah, 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 there is. But it, from what I've heard, it is heaps better than the Form 3 so far. So I'm very happy that I ended up with a 2 over a 3. Yeah. I don't have enough experience on it to know one way or another. I've got a Form 1 um, that I that doesn't work. Uh, and then we've got Form 3s at work that seem to work very well. 
I've just seen, I, I don't have a forum three, but like, if you look at the forums, there's like nonstop printer issues. Like first, none of the engineering resins worked with the first generation of their flexible tanks. Um, and they only just recently fixed that. And then like, I guess there's a bunch of issues with weird lines in the first like 20 layers after the supports touch. Um, and like, it doesn't affect, you know, if you're making engineering models, it doesn't really affect you, but for people making like model miniatures or like if Peyton got one, I think that it would really screw up his stuff. Oh, one other yeah. thing, form labs, great customer support, insanely good customer support. Yeah. They've totally Same with Prusa, actually. Yeah, I mean, I called them about a random problem I was having one time, and they were like, I, "I like told them about this problem, and it was so unrelated to me, like from an outsider perspective." And they were like, "Oh yeah, that's the uh, that's the Pinda sensor that for the bed." I'm like, "How do you know that that's the Pinda sensor? It only moves up and Z." They're like, "Yeah, that's the Pinda sensor." <laughs> and they're like, "Do you want a new one? We'll send it right now." I'm like. Uh, and they're like, put in your serial number. And I was like, oh, okay. All right, guys. Um, I will I'll be the <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, So That's awesome. Yeah. I, 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 I will definitely give it to both companies. They have great support. Um, all, right. all right. So from R. Dunn, he asked, ERP system, do you use one? Is it a spreadsheet? Like, how do you do order, tracking, planning, all that stuff? So to answer that question, absolutely not. Um, I am not that organized. I wish I was. Uh, I use a spreadsheet that I made in Airtable um, for all of that, but it's not fantastic. And there are still holes and things that probably my accountant would prefer didn't exist. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, uh, that, that's definitely in the future. An ERP system would be awesome. Uh, something like, uh, Acumatica or, uh, any of those other cloud ERPs would be really cool. Um, I'm not sure it's in the budget right now, but I, I know ERPs are, are a really neat thing. Um, we, we use one at work and it's, it's really it's really handy to be able to pull data and things very quickly. Um, and and uh, I know it would be a really big shop improvement. It's just, it's one of those things where it's, uh, I'll, I'll turn around and I'll talk to Iskar and I'll say, here's a thousand dollars for some inserts. And then somebody says, Oh, well uh, this ERP will be blah, blah, blah per month. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that one. Yeah, you're like, that's the next 20, 30 orders worth of inserts every month. I don't know yeah. about that. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I'd love one, though I've, I've seen, you know, they can be really terrible too. Um, it's, it's really only as good as the attention you give it, so. Yeah, I mean, that might be something to kind of go down the line um, as I kind of grow and, and if I get like some employees or something where I can maybe spend a little bit more time on something like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Another question we got from five to three industries is if you were giving a hundred dollars, a thousand or even 10,000, what would you buy for your shop? Yeah. So at each level, if you like, if somebody gave you a hundred dollars, what would you buy? What would you buy for your shop for a thousand? And what would you buy for your shop for 10,000 right now? Well, that's a good question. Um, hundred bucks. I would probably put towards um, maybe some uh, 
some just kind of shop improvements, like getting coat hangers or, or just stupid stuff like that. I mean, it's all the little things like a couple months ago, I, I stopped by Ikea and I just picked up like some Ikea cabinets and things. And I built like a little kitchenette in my office and it's one of the best $200 I've ever spent. It's just so easy to like grab a plate for lunch or whatever and go into the fridge and, and grab stuff. It's so hundred bucks doesn't go a long way in a machine shop, but I think <laughs> what it does do is it, it does get, allow you to get some of that, like make a trip to Home Depot and just pick up some of the little like quality of life things. Totally. Um, thousand bucks. Uh, that's about what I'm about to spend on pole studs and tool holders for the speedio. Um, so probably that, um, $10,000, uh, probing, probing for the speedio. See, I don't know what a brother probe costs, but with 10,000, you buy me one, you get one for yourself. Be a great day. (laughs) End it all. Yes. So that, that just means you have even less of an excuse. <laughs> that means that probing for you, you, you get the full package for like five grand. Yeah. <laughs> Although that being said with your tool changer, you might, you might really run out of tool space if you have a probe in there. Fair point. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, that's kind of a lame ex- answer to those, but um, I I, I think a hundred dollars and a thousand dollars don't really go as far as you might think in a machine shop. And I know, I know, five twenty three knows that as well uh, as also a shop owner. So it's yeah. and another it's Miano. Wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, he's got a, a Miano a few years newer than mine with a completely different control. Um, which is kind of wild. Yeah. And his is, cause yours is 30 taper or 40 taper. Mine's a 30. Um, and mine's got a, a fan control and I think his is a 40 and it's got a Yaznak. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about it quite a bit. Um, <laughs> absolutely bizarre. So the only other question we had was from triple caution machine works, but you covered quite a bit of it. Um, he was just saying that he was impressed by your shop build out and wanted to know how you found the shop terms of lease landlord improvements, but you kind of uh, gone over, you know, how you found it and all of that stuff. Yeah, I can touch a little bit on the uh, the the terms of lease. Um, so I've got a five year lease currently. Um, so I've got this shop for five years. Uh, I don't know if I'll outgrow the shop in five years, but I hope not. Um, right now, with the state of everything being kind of taken apart and all over the place. It feels like I've outgrown it, but I know that as the second I sweep the floor and clean it up a little bit, I'll have loads of space. Um, improvements to the property, it was really fantastic that I was kind of able to be there at the design stage. Um, they weren't going to put an office in this one. They were only going to put an office in one of the other units. And it was really cool to be able to say, yeah, if I can have an office and then please make the office separate climate controlled. Um, and I got them to put a floor drain in. I got them, they put in um, one of the, like the, the best part of the whole shop move. They said, what electrical do you need? And I said, are you serious? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, what, like what outlets and things do you need? And I was like, oh, you just mean like, like normal outlets. And they're like, 
no, like any outlets. I was like, well, I need a three phase outlet here, 50 amp. I need 30 amp three phase here. I need here, here, here. And I just kept going and, I, and they were like, okay, sounds good. And so they installed all of my, they wired everything in before I even moved in, um, which is why the Speedio is going to be so easy. It'll be really sad to see it go, but the, the Miano is getting moved um, and the Speedio is going right where the Miano is. So it's literally just as simple as kind of doing a, a, a plug change. I just unplug the Miano and I plug in the Speedio right there. That's going to be awesome. And it takes such little power compared to like your big lathe. Yeah, my, my big lathe is the, that's 100 amps of three phase. So uh, that's taken up half of my shop's uh, power. Jeez. Yeah, so you could run three speedios for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy. Like, well, that kind of wraps up our questions. Uh, Peyton, did you have anything else? No, I guess, Easton, just let everyone know your Instagram, your website, where people can check out your products that you've talked about. Yeah, so uh, my Instagram is Moria underscore MFG. Um, I don't post a lot on there uh, lately. I need to be better about that. So to all those people out there who are uh, thinking about unfollowing me, you're totally in the right, and I totally understand. Um, I do need to post a lot more on there. Um, uh, my website is my company name, moriamanufacturing.com. Um, on there, you'll see uh, all of my products under the catalog. Few of them are sold out, um, like the BT30 uh, tool tape fixtures. Those will go back in stock soon. Um, and then uh, I've got uh, a page on there for the contract manufacturing. If you guys, anyone out there is looking for some lathe work, um, feel free to reach out. Um, and uh, I'd be happy to get you guys a quote. Awesome. Well, this was episode 60 once again with Easton. Check out his website and Instagram, and we'll be back with Dylan and I next week.